What's up, Roadrunner fans? Welcome to episode 219 of the Alamo Audible Podcast, brought to you by the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Republic of Football Podcast Network. This is your host and producer, Jared Kalmich, joined by my co-host, Adrian Bermudez. Adrian, we're getting so close to football, man. I'm getting so freaking pumped. Let's go. And smell it. I can smell it in the air, baby. What's the smell? Describe it to me. I want to I wanna visualize it. It's musty. It's outdoors. It's grassy. It's sweat. Uh, beer. Stale. And it's the best damn smell in the world. <laughs> it's fun. We, we play at an indoor stadium. We tailgate on an asphalt parking lot, but we still have the musty grass smell in our head when we think of football. It's the same for me. Absolutely. Kind of Absolutely so. Yeah. Like, you know, that fresh mowed lawn. What is a TD UTSA stadium down here in Houston? That's got to be turf, right? Yeah. I mean, pretty much, pretty much everything is turf outside of like a couple of Big Ten schools. Man, I'm so ready for the Roadrunners to overtake Houston, Texas in the third ward. Sea of blue and orange out there. Holding it down for the squad in the redemption game. The game of the season, Jared. The best game, uh, the the best week one game on the college football docket, if you ask. Man, me. is it? I, I'm not looking at the list. I'm not. I'm not going to argue for or against. I could see the list, and I could tell you, there's <laughs> not going to be a, a, another game that I would rather watch <laughs> okay. or attend. Okay, okay, fair enough. I'll, I'll accept that. Uh, I had some friends trying to buy some tickets today. They're only selling tickets in the visitor section at U of H if you're a UTSA season ticket holder. And so my friends that live in Houston, obviously, are not season ticket holders because they're like sane, normal, rational people. Um, and they don't drive to San Antonio, you know, like five times a year for home games. Uh, so they were like, hey, how can we get tickets like close to the visitor section? And then we went into <clears throat> the U of H uh, single game sales and uh, the section closest to the visitor section was sold out. The other ones were not. So I'm assuming mm. that's because a lot of fans that are not season ticket holders are traveling to the game and bought in that section and sold it out. So hopefully a good contingent. There's been a lot of a rallying to get San Antonio down I-10 East to get up in that thing. I even saw insider information here, but I saw HEB was ha handing out some perks to their employees <laughs> to get guys into the stadium themselves. So there's like a whole uh, movement around this thing, around the entire San Antonio area. We've got corporate interest involved in getting the Roadrunners to get that redemption win over Houston, baby. So give it to me, feed it to me. Very nice. Yeah, I, I definitely know football is getting closer because I start getting like more inside information without even asking for it. So that's always nice. <laughs> if you got any of that, hit me up at Jared UTSA. DMs are open. <laughs> well, speaking not, of... Go ahead. I was going to say, we're not quite to uh, the Houston preview episodes yet and Houston game right. prep yet, but damn, it's getting close, baby. Damn, it's getting close. You know it's getting close because we got the roster update this week. We've got single digits back on the roster i think it's less guys got selected this year than in the past i don't know if that's just because more linemen were voted in right i noticed that one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven nine. twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen yeah only 15 and it could be a max of 20 so i mean yeah interesting right and then, yeah, and the linemen cannot wear a single digit, but right, technically on the offense, three of them received the voting honors from their peers. And so 
maybe for those that are kind of new to UTSA football, Jeff Trailer has brought this tradition with him. He didn't he didn't originate the tradition. And now, in fact, we're not the only team in the conference that hands out single digit mm-hmm. honors. I believe Temple I think does Temple, it as well. Yeah, Temple announced theirs the same day, I believe it was. So but Jeff Trailer, whenever he got here in 2020, he, he started this single digit thing where the players vote. I think coaching staff votes as well uh, on who's going to don the single digit jersey numbers. Uh, it's the highest honor amongst their peers. And essentially, you're a team leader, team captain to a degree in your position unit. And then the, the most coveted single digit numbers are the San Antonio area code of two, one and zero. And uh, yeah, so uh, not too many surprises on the single digit, Mm-mm. but it is a very, very prestigious recognition that we have here in the UTSA Roadrunners football program that we've got to shout out. So we go through the offense and then the defense. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. So no surprises here. Offense, donning the number zero, sub-zero himself, the man, Heisman Trophy contender, Frank Harris, the quarterback. Um, and then at number one, DeCorian, a.k.a. J.T. Clark, wide receiver. Number two, Joshua Cephas, wide receiver. Um, number four, redshirt sophomore, Kavorian Barnes, running back. Hot damn, yes, baby. This guy is going to be a force. Uh, number five, the punter from Downanda, Lucas Dean, straight out of Australia. Uh, number nine, the man, San Antonio's very own Oscar Cardenas at tight end. And then the linemen, offensive line and receiving the honors, which again, they cannot wear a single digit number. You had Ernesto, uh, Ernesto Amaraz, Makai Hart, and Terrell Haynes, all receiving the recognition from their teammates. I found it interesting that you listed uh, the punter on the offense. I always saw the punter as a defensive position and a place kicker as an offensive position. The place kicker scores points. The punter tries to prevent the other offense from scoring points, right? Yeah, but but Jared, the the, the punter comes out on fourth down. That's an offensive possession. He he literally receives the snap from the the center. That's a solid (laughs) argument, man. That's a great point. Yeah, brother. Yeah. uh, Mm, I do think we've seen Lucas Dean throw a forward pass for a first down once upon a time. (laughs) Yeah. Slow down on my man. Touche. Okay. Touche. You're right. So I guess like two surprises, uh, Josh Cephas getting voted in to the 2-1-0. I thought it was going to happen. I disagree with it. I think it's a bad precedent, but I'm not surprised. I think anyone who listens to the podcast kind of knows what happened there. I I don't think we need to rehash that. Well, you know, on the we're on the Republic of Football Network, so I, there there are there are probably some first time listeners, but you know, sure. you get dinged in the off season uh, with a with a DWI, and um, yeah, we had a podcast conversation about maybe that would disqualify him from single digit honors. Yeah, it didn't. Yeah, we talked about that on Patreon feed a couple of weeks ago. So if you sign up for Patreon, you'll hear our uh, unfiltered unfiltered takes on that one <laughs> i'll leave it at that uh i, I guess kaborian barnes getting uh number four as a retro sophomore a little bit surprising tremendous well. tremendous yeah. is he is he the youngest player to ever get voted into the triangle toughness i'm him a trey more got to imagine yes i have to imagine yes because honestly i mean we didn't even see him 
on the field in, f- until the very first time, you know, until well, last year. He was right. Um, he was a redshirt freshman. Yeah, took the field against FIU was whenever he really kind of had his semi coming out party. But he really took this offense and, and took Conference USA by storm. And uh, dude it was just a, a force of nature. And uh, I would say well deserved. It's fantastic to already see him getting that recognition, but also assuming that leadership in the running back room. This is a guy that's a, mm. <laughs> a sophomore, right? And, and he's going to be the leader of the running backs group for many years to come for UTSA. Adrian, he'll be the leader of the offense next year. Wow. Wow. That's a huge part of it. And, you know, I, I heard Coach Trailer in an interview today say it was very intentional of him to bring Kavorian and Trey Moore onto the podium after the bowl game to speak to the media because he wanted to send the message that like, I mean, cause he didn't know who was going to come back and who, who was sure. Not, right. So he wanted to send the message like, Hey, you know, even if guys graduate, retire, transfer, whatever, we got these guys, we're good. This is the foundation moving forward. So it seemed pro- probably obvious in hindsight, but I thought that was a cool message that uh coach trailer shared today. That is fascinating, man. That is absolutely fascinating. He'll be he'll be the most uh, veteran position player ball carrier on the UTSA offense, huh? Man, yep. That's Next crazy. season, wow, that's crazy. Dorian Barnes, that I'm man, like racking wow. my brain trying to think of who might be able to come back a wide receiver that would be more experienced than him, and I don't <laughs> think there would be anyone. Uh, I think Oscar Oscar might have another year after this one, right? Maybe, and I guess Dishman technically could be more tenured than Kavorian, but. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I, I think many touches, no, right? Not even close. Not even close. Yeah, I'll run us through the Oscar's defensive still... single-digit numbers if we're good okay, on please. offense. Yeah, at number zero, we got Rashad Wisdom stepping into his old number, coming back as mm-hmm. the leader of the defense. Uh, we mentioned Trey Moore coming into number one, rusher sophomore. Brandon Brown, big man stepping into the number two, which I love to see. Six foot two, three hundred ten pounds. Let's go. Two lane Hell transfer. Yeah. Just a beast. One of the guys that you got to take for granted, man. Forget how good he is. Uh, number we will be taking him for granted this year. Oh, no. No, definitely not. Number three, another veteran defensive lineman, Brandon Matterson. I love the big guys in single digits, man. Love it. Gets the blood pumping. Here's another one. Number five, Joe Evans, defensive line, six foot three, 340. We're in the number five. Folks, the, the single digit is not flattering. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta play you gotta play in a manner where no one's looking at it no one no one's looking at your little jersey turning at a crop top yeah 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 for sure number six we got another old head a guy that i honestly i keep forgetting he's still here and he's probably gonna be a starter that's <laughs> like in my head he graduated two years ago kalashi Inwachuku. i don't know what year of his uh degree plan he's on uh but this this be his third or second year in terminal toughness second Second. Yeah. Next up, Donye Taylor taking over his older brother's number seven at outside amazing. linebacker. Cool uh, line. Amazing. So cool. Shout out number to eight, Megan. Jamal Ligon. Was he eight last year? I think so. Maybe. Started, I think I think he started 88, moved into eight last year, keeping that number this year, I believe. And that's it. A lot of defensive linemen. That's fascinating. That is fascinating. Brandon Brown, Brandon Madison, Joe Evans. Whew. You got some meat up there. Hold it I down. Think Don, single digits. Donnie taking number seven is my favorite 
my favorite piece of this triangle toughness. I think that's super cool. Yeah, you gotta love you gotta love that storyline right there. Yep. Another great uh brother duo in the in the UTSA annals of history. Mm-hmm. Very cool. No surprises though, would you say? Nothing major, I don't think. No. Next year's More gonna be nutty, though. There are so many seniors on this list. That wasn't the oh. only big yeah, that wasn't the only big UTSA recognition to come out. Okay. I was gonna do the same segue. Sorry to step on your toes. That's okay. It's weird that uh both these things were announced on the same day now now that we're talking about it out loud. Yeah. Feels like uh the announces the announcements could have been like more uh, dramatic, I suppose, more suspenseful, maybe. Uh but Whatever we got all the tweets, <laughs> we got all the tweets within like a one hour span. <laughs> Dropping at four o'clock too. I mean, you're not you're not going to make it into the print newspaper deadline. I don't think. No, no. But UTSA did announce their inaugural class to the UTSA Athletics Hall of Fame. Wow. Which uh, this was first announced that UTSA was going to create an athletics hall of fame uh, a few months ago. Which yes, we did do an episode on. You can go back and listen to it. And um, I don't think we really speculated on too many names. I think we we threw around a few of them, uh, but we more sort of looked at the criteria and and what was going mm-hmm. to determine people going into the Hall of Fame. And uh, the very first six inductees are going to consist of Marcus Davenport of uh, UTSA football greatness, first round draft pick, it's the NFL number fourteen overall. Lynn Hickey, longtime athletics director at UTSA, who's uh, brought football to the university, sort of built the foundation that we now stand on. Uh, Larry Coker, the <laughs> very first coach in UTSA football history, who uh, came around with uh, one helmet, one football, one jersey, and his national championship ring from the Miami Hurricanes, and told some guys to come play football for UTSA. The rest is history. Um, outside of uh, the football world, well, Lynn Hickey was all encompassing for athletics, but outside of the football world, um, you had Mackenzie Adams, volleyball great, Devin Brown, UTSA basketball, the GOAT, I would say, and then yep. Tamika Roberts of UTSA track and field greatness um, uh, 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 on the hurdles, I believe, was uh, was, was was really where she. Um, Kind of made her just do um, sprinter and jumper. She also played basketball. Uh, also played basketball. That's right. That's right. Eight-time All-American. Who's sport athlete? It's nuts, man. Unbelievable. So, I don't know how much there is like to debate. I think they really nailed the inaugural class. There's nothing super egregious yes. here to me. We can do a full episode on this if the people demand it. But I think the next class is when it's going to get a little more spicy. Mm, I think that's a great point. No, I think they nailed this inaugural class. I think this is a fantastic inaugural class. Um, These do really represent the greatest in their respective fields. And really good representation of the Olympic sports. Fantastic representation of uh, football. Mm -hmm. And... um, you know, you had the, the the first era with Larry Coker, and then you had that that middle that 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 weird puberty stage for UTSA that Marcus Davenport really was the shining light of, and 
just phenomenal win. And, and, and Lynn Hickey really can't say enough about what she's done for UTSA athletics over the years. They totally nailed this man. And so I have no qualms with it, but if the people want us to spend 30 minutes or an hour talking about this inaugural class and then the, and y'all's the audience's quote unquote snubs or whatever. Yeah, no, bring it on. We, we'll we work for y'all. On it. We work for y'all. <laughs> we're totally with it for sure. So big shout out to the UTSA Hall of Fame inaugural class. Very well deserved. Yep. Looking forward to the inductment, induction, inductment, and the induction oh, ceremony, cool. which will be homecoming weekend. It's going to be a cool new tradition, I think, to do this uh, at homecoming every year. And the uh, inductees will be honored on the field. For that game so against ECU yeah. we'll see if they'll have a uh, um, brass busts of uh of each person <laughs> it'll probably it'll probably be like a I heard Ross bust <laughs> I was like what <laughs> what <laughs> yeah uh, I, I'm gonna set my expectations uh drastically lower and I hope to be pleasantly surprised but uh if you want to hold out hope feel free <laughs> very good very good yep so Last week, Jared, we were talking UTSA offense. Only natural as a preview season continues here through the fall camp. Now we talk UTSA defense, baby. I think, I don't know about you. I feel a lot less, I guess, comfortable and predicting what the offense is going to look like. Or sorry, what the defense is going to look like compared to the offense. Right, the offense right, brought back right. everybody. There's like really no substantial change on the offense whatsoever, except for Zakari transferring. Defense, I don't know. I mean, there's I think there's a lot of new faces. I think there's some solid position battles. And I just I feel like we haven't got a whole lot of information about like how these new transfers are looking on defense, you know, what mm-hmm. guys are kind of stepping up in a starting roles and stuff like that. So Gonna be a lot more speculation on our part this episode, I think, compared to the offensive preview. But you know, I think that makes for a more fun discussion and a a more enlightening podcast as well. That's what the people want. Yeah. There was some that knows Spe- your comments, just crystal ball, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of what the people want, uh, we announced a couple of weeks ago that if we had a hundred and fifty Patreon subscribers, that we would have a pregame party in Houston the night before the season opener. And as of August 15th, I'm happy to announce we are at 151 premium Patreon subscribers. Yes, sir. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. So this party will be the Friday. I think that'd be September 1st in Houston. It'll be the convenient location. We haven't locked in all the details yet. So stay tuned for that. Uh, This is not just a Patreon party. This is open to any listener. They're friends. Come on out. We'll have some free beer while supplies yes. last. Yes. We're definitely, definitely going to blow through the budget. Uh, <laughs> no doubt about that. But we will have some free beer <laughs> while it lasts. We're going to have some some little gifts to give away and stuff like that. Absolutely. Come on out. Stay tuned some, for details. Some games going on, you know. Maybe some yeah, Alamo I mean, Audible there, merch to be there passed will be out. College football on the screens, I'm sure. It'd be a good Absolutely. old time. Absolutely. So well, we had. I'm in like new uh, subscribers. I'm in like bar Sorry, games. Like I'm in like bar games, like competition within. You oh, you big on that? Uh, I folks, mean, you uh, know, for come, the, come on out. People. You know, Adrian will be on the cornhole bags. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be raffling off some stuff. We'll be giving stuff to the winners. Yeah, let's do it. 
Let's if you it. beat Adrian and Jenga, you get a free koozie. <laughs> <laughs> don't mess with me on Jenga, my boy. You don't want to. Dude, I, you know, Jenga's cool. I, I hate when you're at a bar, especially if it's like a low-key brewery, and they've got the giant Jenga, and some idiot is just constantly, like, knocking this thing over, and it's just so right. loud, dude. It just absolutely kills the atmosphere. <laughs> There's a place for it. It should be like at a, on a loud patio bar. It shouldn't be at the chill. Yeah, 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 100%. Yeah. And, and that's the kind of vibe we're going for. Uh, but let's let's lock it in with management over there and make sure, you know, we can get space reserved and all that before we make the location announcement. So stay tuned. I do want to thank three new subscribers this week that helped us hit this goal, uh, as well as some recurring members who re-up their subscription, uh, came on back home. Appreciate you guys. See you guys. But thank you to Joey Martinez for joining at the booster tier. Jose Garcia for joining us at the insider tier and Renato LeDuc for joining at the insider tier. Much appreciated. We also have a couple upgrades as well. Just shout out to John Trevino for increasing his subscription to the booster tier and Maddie and Mandy jumping up to the big money donor tiers. Thank you guys Legends. all very, very much. Wow. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. You know, Jared, we talked last week about how this is a team that has won 30 games over the last three years. A big part of that is the high flying offense. Whenever we look at the defense through uh, Jeff Trailer's tenure, hasn't necessarily been like a, a shut down sort of unit. But good enough. Um, good enough. They've been good enough, struggle. right? Is bend not break fair? I think so. I mean, they, oh, Francois appearance. That's my cat. If you're new to the pod. I, you know, I, I really need to be more mindful of the new listeners because I know that we're going to have a lot of new listeners heading into the season. Welcome to the Alamo Audible Cinematic Universe. This is my cat, Francois. He'd love to make an appearance. Um, anyways, no, I think Ben Dolbrook is fair. They've had their periods where like they're going to do like three, three and outs in a row. But they're typically doing that against pretty bad teams. I think, you know, mm -hmm. we've, we've seen them kind of struggle against those elite offenses. But I feel like it's rare to point to a loss and be like, oh, well, you know, the defense was just god-awful. Right, that hasn't happened. Yeah. But most of the times when we win, it's a back-and-forth offensive mm -hmm. battle, right? Yeah. And and it's yeah. a matter of outscoring the other team or the team that we lose to outscoring us, right? And I think, you know, pointing back to last year's game against Houston, right? We talked about the U of H mm -hmm. game. I think that's a great example of it, you know, um, which – you could argue the defense did get the stop that they needed to for UTSA to win that game. And then we had a mishap with uh, coaching and having too many men on the field. Penalty gives U of H a first down that they shouldn't have gotten. But, you know, the, the, the defense hasn't quite been totally shut down. You know, we go and we get turnovers here and there, but we're not necessarily a turnover machine. Um really good offenses are able to put up points against this defense. And, um, you, you know, applying backfield pressure, it's improved over the years, but it's mm -hmm. we're not necessarily like machines and getting into the backfield and just shutting down what the quarterback's able to do and getting in there for those sacks and those uh, running back tackles behind the line of scrimmage. I think that's really the thing that I want to see more of. I call it defensive dominance, if you will, Jared. I, I just want to see more of those plays where the defense is really sort of asserting their will over an offense and getting down and getting dirty and making guys 
fearful to snap the ball and go up against them. And I don't think there's been any offense that has feared the UTSA defense over the, the last few seasons. Uh, I think it's fair. They, they've certainly had their bright spots, like we said earlier, but they haven't really been a fearful unit just yet. We mm-hmm. see the talent level continue to rise. One contrast to the offense is the offense has had a lot of coaching attrition. Defense, not so much. I mean, it's pretty much been the same coaching staff on that defense almost all along. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how that contributes to the success of this unit. But, I mean, I think to make another Houston comparison leading into the first game of the year, think back to that 2014 game where UTSA opens up TDECU Stadium in Houston. There was nothing that offense could do to move the ball against UTSA's defense. You had Marcus Davenport coming off the edge as the true freshman. You know, Nate Gaines at safety just laying the wood mm-hmm. everywhere. And, you know, they they just do- – they were dominant. They were dominant. They had hard John hat. O'Corn. Say it. Say it. Hard hat. The hard, hard hat. hat defense, D. That was the, that was the peak D. of the hard hat right there. Yes. I want to see the high-vis vest come back. I want to see hard hats. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, I think that's that's that is the biggest step that this team needs to take to have the success that Tulane had last year and mm. play in a New Year's Six Bowl. The defense has to go from good enough to truly exceptional. They can yes. still do great things if the defense is as good as last year, but to be in a spot where they can win 11, 12, 13 games this year, the defense has to be a bit better. Just like you said, you know, pressure against the passer, uh, but also I think converting turnovers in the secondary is another area where there's a lot of room for improvement. Yeah, yeah, creating that havoc, right? That's always a stat that you like to track. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whenever yeah. we get into the deep, deep parts of the season, uh, Jared's advanced mm-hmm. analytics always checking that havoc rate and uh, how we're doing it, creating havoc. And so we need to see more of that most certainly. And I think you make a great point to get to the level of Tulane, to get to the top class of this conference, because our competition is better. Teams are better. Offenses are better. And yeah, we can go to toe to toe with the best one with these scoring battles. Uh, but to truly assert ourselves as the top contender in the AC uh, and through, you know, a pretty wicked out of conference schedule at that, mm-hmm. we've got to have defensive dominance we've got to have a defense that can create havoc and create turnovers and so i think i think that is the the big big piece for this utsa team is the defense right going and doing what they need to do taking that step up to get there and so when we look at that that's the defensive line that's the cornerbacks i think linebacker play is been okay but i think um one of those areas that we've always kind of scratched our head at has, has been more of the the cornerbacks and the secondary and uh defensive line it could be it could be stronger over the years right so i don't know in your opinion what are the would you kind of agree with that or what are the main areas position groups that that really have to sort of assert themselves and, and take that step forward I want to see a, a big step forward for the inside linebacker position. I think Jamal Ligon has been great at UTSA, but you know you mentioned the havoc stack, havoc stat earlier. If you're new to that term, essentially that means that the defense is making plays that disrupt the offense. They're not just getting tackles. They're not just getting a three and out. 
they're causing fumbles, they're getting interceptions, they're getting sacks, tackle for loss, all that stuff. So I like to see that jump up for Ligon, but I think the guy that's next to him is going to be the real, um, I guess, question mark. We don't know who's going to start there. We're going to talk about that when we get into each position unit. Um, But I think that's an area that uh, the production has been there in spurts. We haven't really seen much from the second string at inside linebacker. And I think the depth is going to be a lot better this year, but it's like, who's going to make that step to really be the for sure starter. Um, And are these guys capable of having, you know, a 10 tackle for loss five sack two formal coverage type of season. Cause I think that would go a really long way for this defense and prevent some of those like long drawn out drives that we've seen the defense kind of have to, to struggle through through these past couple of years, just because they can't get that elusive turnover. Yeah. And, you know, in, historically before the trailer era, defense was really something that we hung our hat on, you know, talk about those hard hat days. Mm-hmm. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's really been, a, it's really been an interesting um, polarity uh, here at UTSA where, where really it's the mm-hmm. offense sort of carrying the torch. Can, for the for the newer listeners, to, to be can, fair, ha- having a generational quarterback will do that to you. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. But imagine the generational quarterback with the success of the hard hat defense. I mean, UTSA would just be trampling guys. Um, mm-hmm. Can you give a little bit of background on the type of defense that UTSA plays schematically for newer listeners? Sure. So they are an odd man front. They do rotate quite a bit, um, especially in that front front five, I guess you could call them, like the three down linemen and the two outside linebackers that play on the edge. Um, uh-huh. So traditionally what you're going to see is a uh, run-stopping defensive end. It depends on the offense, right? They'll sub it out. They'll go into like a nickel-dime package or whatever and bring an extra defensive back onto the field in that outside linebacker unit, but um, what you'll typically see is a run-stopping defensive end who can get after the pass rusher on the strong side, and then you've got two defensive ends that line up head over on the tackle. Uh, They're going to be like, you know, the 265 to 290 pound range, with the exception of Joe Evans, who's quite a bit bigger, but can move pretty well. Um, And then you have a nose guard that's going to be right over the center, you know, try to make sure that uh, they're not getting to those inside linebackers and disrupt the play wherever they can. That's going to be your your big guy with a low center gravity. And then that other defensive end on the opposite side is going to be more of your traditional pass rusher. Um, So probably a little bit skinnier, a little bit faster. You know, Jamori Robinson is, you know, the kind of guy I think you expect to see in that role. Um, Mm -hmm. Just a guy who can just be trouble for uh, an offensive tackle to take one-on-one in their pass blocking. Um, And then the two inside linebackers are you know, going to be lined up between the nose guard and uh, the defensive ends, defensive tackles there. You're going to have two corners lined up. Uh, I don't know if they do like the kind of field side, boundary side kind of deal or just pick like, you know, this quarterback's going to be on this receiver or whatever. Uh, But then they have two safety positions, just typical free safety and strong safety. The substitution package that you'll see is they'll take off one of those defensive ends and put like a pass coverage guy in, you know, if it's like a third and long scenario or something like that, they'll take the, uh, the uh, run support specialists off that line. Uh, but another interesting thing they'll do is they'll put a pass rusher and a nose guard on those uh, obvious passing down situations. So I think a guy like Trumaine Bell is someone that you might see, like, you know, slide into that nose tackle spot on a third and long and uh, maybe get a 300 pounder off the field so they can 
have a little bit better ability to rust the passer. So, okay. And, you know, through uh, fall camp interviews, air guys being asked about man press coverage, press man coverage. Can you talk a little bit about what exactly that means. Yeah, sure. So I think when you hear that phrase, what that most commonly is going to mean is the defender is going to engage with the water receiver of the line of scrimmage. Mm. <laughs> so they're not going to be sacking five, seven yards off the line of scrimmage and kind of reading that first break from the receiver. They're going to come up and be proactive and jam them at the line. And you try, you do that to try to disrupt the timing between the quarterback. Make some and contact right there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now it is risky though, because if you come up and you jam them and you get beat, you're already a couple steps behind the receiver, right? So you sure. have to have a lot of trust in your safeties to be able to, you know, close that gap um, and make that tackle, especially, you know, if there's a, a blitz being called or something like that. All right. We have seen, I think secondary is pretty aggressive at UTSA. They blitz a lot. So it leads a, leaves a lot of one-on-one coverage scenarios for those defenders. And that's part of the reason why, you know, when we talk about the defense, we can be a little bit critical about those defensive backs, it's because, you know, if you're sitting in the house in a blitz, you're leaving a defender in one-on-one coverage. If you're not getting the quarterback quickly, the defender is going to lose that matchup almost every time. If they're going against a, you know, solid division one quality receiver that can run, you know, a four five forty 40 or better. Um, so, you know, that's one of the big things to look out for, right. Is, uh, you know, how, how is that exchange and coverage between the cornerbacks and the safeties? If the play, you know, extends a little bit longer than expected. And we we see that a lot. We we see the secondary coming down for blitzes, right? It's always a safety that's coming down for blitz, rather than linebackers blitzing. Where right, it's more traditional. Why is that? And 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 is that something that's sort of unique for UTSA? Hmm. Interesting. Um, I haven't thought about that too much. To be honest with you, I I don't know if uh, it's just not true that UTSA doesn't blitz the inside linebackers. Maybe they just like don't they don't get home that often. They're not actually getting the quarterback. But yeah, right. I mean they they definitely like to bring pressure, additional pressure off the edge with safeties and nickelbacks and stuff like that. Um, I don't think that's necessarily unique to UTSA. I think any odd man front that's aggressive, you'll see uh, that tactic employed. But I think there's a lot of room for improvement to make sure that those guys, when they blitz, actually get to the quarterback faster. Because uh, that's something they've been burned on a lot the past couple of years. Is like they send that safety, yeah. you know, off the line of scrimmage, and they don't get home. It's a huge gap. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's worked to our advantage uh, very well over the years. Um, which you know, those previous iterations of the UTSA defense, it, it was linebacker blitz heavy versus mm-hmm. a safety blitz, and yeah. so. Yeah, it's an interesting difference there. Uh, but one of those things where it's not necessarily the tactic that's incorrect, but the results that the tactics yielded haven't been great. So we'd like to see an improvement there. Okay. Any other general comments on the defense? Or we want to jump into these position groups? I think I'm ready to jump into position groups. Let's do it. Before I do so. And we'll see you guys out with the Kumi break as well. Before I do so, I do want to thank our board of trustees members for their support on Patreon. This list keeps growing by the week. So we're splitting it up. We're doing board of trustees in one section. And then we're doing big money donors in another section. So I don't have to rattle through like 30 names in 10 seconds. 
but our uh, our Patreon subscribers were treated to a bonus episode this week. You know, we have made mention that we try to do one bonus episode and one free episode every week during football season, and uh, it's conference realignment season. Yeah, mm-hmm. conference realignment always uh, does numbers for us when we talk about that or write about that or whatever. I uh, got a lot of great feedback on that one from the subscribers. So if you sign up on Patreon, you'll get access to that. Uh, you can now access our bonus feed through Spotify. So if you sign up for a Patreon account, you can link your Spotify account with your Patreon account. And then you have all the episodes right there on a single feed and a single app, which is absolutely beautiful. Uh, so without further ado, I want to say thank you to Digiteek, John Otwell, Lino Perez of Los Dos Rowdy Tailgating, Gary and Ruben representing the UTSA Burkang Tailgate, Ray Redding and Mimi Preparel, Brandon Grill and the Grill Realty Group, Andy Elizada and Proficient Benefit Solutions, Ian McClendon and Seeker LLC, and Brandon Padrone. So thank you guys all for your support. Looking forward to seeing a lot of you guys in like the next three to four weeks, which is really exciting. All right, Asian, let's hit a Kobe break and we'll be back in uh, just a couple seconds. What are the chances right. we can get the cumbia looped at the bar that we're throwing the the party at for U of A for the U of H free game? <laughs> Dude, I, I hate when we're on the pod and you throw ideas for me for the first time that either is impossible <laughs> or really hard to pull off. And then I look like a jerk <laughs> if I can't get it done. People want the cumbias. <laughs> we'll see what we can do, man. We'll see what we can do. If we get everyone drunk enough, any cumbia this bar will play, people will think it's our cumbia. That's true. So look, maybe we should just make that our goal. Give me the ox, baby. <laughs> DJ Drake. The ones and twos. Do they still do ox? I don't even know if ox cord is still a thing anymore, man. You gotta get the, the Bluetooth know, or whatever. Yeah. All right, well, let's start breaking down position by position. We're going to start up with the big nasties because I think they have the most uh, triangle toughness selections on the roster. Hell yeah. Hell That's yeah. Three down defensive linemen. Where do you even start? Where do you even start whenever you look at this list? I mean, it it really is stacked with a with a lot of beef on it, man. And uh, I think this is probably the strongest the defensive line has looked. And, and not just the strongest, but the deepest, deepest. defensive line deepest. Has, has looked. Yeah. In yeah, probably the first uh, the, throughout the whole trailer tenure, this is definitely the deepest defensive line room we've had. And I think we might say that about a few of these position groups. Yeah, yeah, I think so, too. That's something I was going to say in our general defensive preview. I think like the overall talent level and like the ability of the like player by player, if you go through the entire two deep on defense is better than it's ever been. But it's like, who are the dogs? Who are the dogs on this defense? That's who we got to see separate themselves. Yeah, exactly. that's who we really got to see separate themselves. The ball hawks, the dogs, the gritty gritties. That's what we want to see. Yeah. And 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 there's going to have to be that separation that occurs throughout the season to, mm-hmm. to really know for sure. But uh, we got a little inkling looking at those single digits. And then, yeah, we'll make our predictions, of course, as well. Well, there's no doubt that Brandon Brown is a dog. So he's a transfer from Tulane. Never really got a chance to play there because he transferred away pretty quickly. Obviously, I had no clue what Tulane would go on to do 
<laughs> so uh, interesting for him to to now be back in the same conference and have both of those schools kind of you know pick to uh, come down to a major showdown there at the end of the season and potentially play for a berth into the conference championship game. I enjoyed how uh, upfront he was talking about the uh, the two lane relationship and how that game was was circled on the yeah. schedule for him, and he's really yeah. looking forward to to getting in action against Tulane. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a he's got that personal vendetta, the chip on the shoulder when it comes to Tulane, and I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he started as a freshman back in 2021. He was Conference USA All Freshman selection, honorable mention All Conference. Then a sophomore mm-hmm. year really broke out. Last year, his first team All Conference USA started all 14 games. Just a beast, man. Just a lot of havoc. Doesn't get pushed around much. I think he's just going to continue to get better and better. Just a junior. One of the best players on this roster. Yeah. Yeah. Real, real leadership qualities. You know, they talk about this guy. They ask him what his individual goals are. He says, I like to keep my individual goals disclosed. It's all about the team goals. It's all about the team. All about the team. And he said something real cool. It was, uh, uh, talk to yourself. Don't listen to yourself. And uh, you know, he's like, just he's, he says all the right things that you would expect, like for for like a five year senior to say, right? Yeah. Um, but he's already here, and, he, and he's talking that coach talk, and and you can tell <laughs> he, he's he's certainly like the example in the locker room for for guys to look to. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's, that's a keen observation. I'd say another yeah. guy that I think is just the sky's the limit with this dude is is senior Joe Evans, six foot three, three forty, but he plays defensive end. And he mm. moves like a defensive end. I have a whole folder of clips on my hard drive where Joe Evans just looks like a pro bowl defensive lineman. And he didn't really burst onto the scene last year because he was hurt for most of the season. But if he's able to slim down a little bit and stay healthy for, you know, the duration of the season, he's going to the NFL draft, man. No doubt about it. He's a very, very special talent. Played plenty at LSU. Dominated when he played at UTSA. If he can just keep it all together for a senior year, man, it's exciting to think about. Yeah, I think that's I think that's an important part to mention. You know, this is a power five transfer come from the SEC, come from LSU. And uh the guy, the guy was a stud in high school. He was good in LSU, had a little bit of injury issue there. But uh yeah, we're a fully healthy Joe Evans is, is gonna be very, very scary for AAC offenses. I think those two guys are a lot to start. The third, I think, is gonna change every week. Gun to my head, I probably say Cyrus Simon gets to start week one against Houston. Mm. You know, he's less of a pass rusher, more of a run stopper specialist, um, but a really strong player, six and four, two fifty. One of the leaders yeah. on the team. I was surprised he didn't get into the triangle toughness. Uh, he's one of those guys like last season. I was like, oh, like Osiris will probably get him next year. Um, right. But I think he's a really dependable player. We've seen him grow and develop throughout his time at UTSA. Um, and I think, you know, he'll continue to. Uh, step into that role of the guy who kind of like anchors the defensive line and gets the run and takes on the double teams and stuff like that. But there's just like so many guys you could slot into that third spot, man. I mean, and there's like really no drop off, man. You look at like Ronald Triplett, another power charge transfer from Kansas State, looked really good as a retro freshman last year when he got playing time. And, you know, he still has plenty of room to grow, uh, freakishly long arms. So he's got a really good reach on the line. Then Nick Booker Brown came in as a a uh, true sophomore transfer walk-on. My boy, my boy. Year. Shout out to Westfield, my dog, Nick Booker Brown. Yes, sir. Honorable mention, I'll see USA. Right. Yeah, and uh, also a, a, a transfer from North Carolina State. Yeah, one of the best pass rushers on this roster for sure. Uh, he had a lot of plays that, you know, he he just kind of blew it up in the backfield. So 
definitely yeah. to see him continue that. It'll be a, a homecoming game for him, you know, against Houston. So I definitely expect mm-hmm. big things from him this season. That's right. That's right. I'm like looking at the list, man. It's like who 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 do you mention? Who do you not mention? Uh Tremaine Bell. You got to mention Tremaine Bell, and and, and Tremaine yeah. Bell is a guy that Brandon Brown actually was was talking a lot about uh, during his fall camp interviews, saying he's made tremendous improvements from last year. He's also put on a lot of mm-hmm. size while maintaining his speed on the ball. So, yeah, man, Tremaine Bell, I think is definitely someone to watch out for. Yeah, and you got uh, Christian Clayton, retro senior. He's been at UTSA forever. He'll be in the rotation as well. And then I think sophomore Ty Leonard is getting plenty of playing time this year as well. I mean, man, it's what a unit. It's it's nuts. Any of these guys yeah. could have been a standout at UTSA three years ago. I think Ronald Triplett's worth mentioning as well. Oh, I thought I mentioned him. My bad if I... Oh, did you? I may miss it. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's a deep room. Real deep room at defensive line. But you've got you've got poised for for week one coming out starting. You you said you got Evans, Brown, and Simon. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I guess moving along to the edge outside linebacker spot. So mm-hmm. we know for sure Trey Moore is going to lock down one of those two outside linebacker spots. He's probably not going to lead the field too much. I think you're going to see that guy out there. Uh, you know, until they have to literally drag him off the field because he's just that <laughs> special of a player. Yeah. Huge breakout season as a redshirt freshman, redshirt sophomore last year, was he? That's right. No, he's listed as a redshirt sophomore this year. Okay. Yeah, so redshirt freshman last year had like 12 sacks or something ridiculous like that. I don't know. I don't have his stats pulled up. Golly. Broke Marcus Davenport's single season record for tackles for loss with 18. Whew. Are you kidding me? He's a redshirt freshman. You got to be kidding me, dude. Yeah, CUSA all freshman team. Wow, man. I didn't even freaking realize that stat. Holy cow. So is Donnie Taylor, you think he'll be more of a rotational piece then? And, and Trey Moore is going to kind of be the one that's the, the anchor for the outside linebackers. But you'll see Donnie Taylor kind of getting mixed around with a with a big think, cage, with an Owen Peewee, with a Jamori Robinson. Uh, well, yeah, I think it just depends the situation, right? I mean, I think you'll definitely see Trey Moore and Donya Taylor on the field at the same time. Yeah. It'll just depend, like, what the offense alignment is like, what the down and distance scenario is. Because I think Donya is the guy that you're going to bring in in more of those, like, passing situations um that he can get out and cover a little bit and then you maybe have a guy like OMP where you're Jamori Robinson uh down there when you're looking for more of like a little run stopping ability but I mean I think they're, they're gonna move those guys around dude I mean that position I think more than any other is the one where you you flex that depending on what the offense shows you okay like it's sure. a hybrid role right so then you you get the personnel package that fits your need in that uh point in time for, for what you're seeing from the offense. So what is it that, you know, it's a, so, so Trey Moore is kind of, kind of, kind of universal, right? Kind of, kind yeah, of pocket yeah. knife. He's like, too, he's too good to take off the field. So what is it that a Donnie Taylor, you know, does best? What is it that a pig cage, Jamoy Robinson, you know, what, mm-hmm. what are, what are kind of their specialties at the outside linebacker position? 
Yeah, sure. Ooh, man, that's, that's a tough one. So I think for Pig Cage to start off with him, um, I think he's a guy that uh, he's like a safety that plays outside linebacker, right? So uh-huh. if you're in a scenario where you want to have more <clears throat> more coverage, right? You you put him in at a slot, um, and you know you can blitz with him if you want, but he's going to be best when he drops back into coverage and can read the quarterback's eyes and try to get that pick, you know. I think a guy like an Owen hmm. Peewee probably use him more as a pass rusher. Um, okay. and, and, you know, he played, I think he played interior linebacker at high school. So I think he's probably a little bit better at tracking ball carriers and playing against the run. Uh, just a ref- rusher freshman though. So we'll see if he's ready to go or not. Um, and like a, Inanya and Yan, and Yan Oh man. I Inyan, right. Yeah. 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 So six foot six, two forty. He's that Jamori Robinson role. Six foot six, two thirty five for Jamori. So those are the guys that are going to come off the edge. But it's like an obvious pass rushing scenario. You're not really asking okay. these guys to drop back into coverage. Those like you're going to pin your ears back. You're an elite athlete. Uh, just go knock over that offensive tackle. Do a split move. Do whatever you got to do. Get your hands up. Try to tip the ball. I think those guys specialize in that role. So some of those havoc, some of those havoc plays we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. disrupting the backfield a little bit right so you know trey moore is that kind of swiss army knife that he can do all of those things but those other guys i think you sub them in depending on your need okay very well explained very well explained nice um do you think any of the other guys get involved on the defense at the outside linebacker role i don't know i don't know I, th- I think the names that we named already are going to be the big ones. I guess uh, the freshman Corey Lucius Jr. He had a pretty nice tape. He was really highly mm. recruited. Yeah. So I wouldn't totally count him out, but <clears throat> I think you're going to see most of the guys that we mentioned already kind of get in the mix before there's a scenario where Lucius Jr. could, you know, potentially burn that red shirt. Yeah, no, yeah, he'll, he'll be coming and getting his plays. He'll probably keep his red shirt, but going and getting his plays. Got four games, right? Yeah, yeah, it's special teams as well, obviously. Yep, trash time against Texas State. Yeah, yeah. You you want to okay. move inside linebacker? Let's go to inside. Yeah. So we talked about this position a little bit. You know, I think Jamal Ligon, you know, single digit clear starter there. Uh, mm-hmm. He's gonna be a four year starter for you to say, right? That's right. Four years. Sure. Yep. Uh, yep. He, was a, he was a he was a conference USA all freshman, all freshman yeah. team. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then honorable mention as a sophomore, second team as a junior. So, <clears throat> absolutely, man. Been a stud. Cut his off at some point last season. I'll miss seeing that on the field. <laughs> but just uh, he's a leader, very intelligent guy, kind of soft spoken. And yeah, he had a quote in an interview. <laughs> he said something like. A reporter asked him about one of the players, and Jamal's like, he's just like any any of us guys uh, that are football players. We all got a little screwed loose. You know, we're all a little crazy, uh, which I love because he's so <laughs> quiet, but, you know, he just, like, turns into an animal on the field. Absolutely, yeah. It just all comes out, man. It all comes right. out. Right. Yeah. So Jamal's a lot to start, for sure. Uh, that spot next to him, definitely up for grabs. Right now, my money's on senior Avery Morris getting that other spot next to him. Mm-hmm. Avery's been yeah. on the program for a while. We've seen his playing time increase throughout the years, and he started started to convert on those opportunities more and more as his career at UTSA develops, right? He's had a couple of plays <clears throat> throughout his time here where you really see the potential. 
and he's got the size for the position. You know, six foot two, two twenty five, exact same measurements as Jamal Lincoln. So he's going to look just like Jamal out there on the field. Their rules are pretty similar. Um, so I'm excited to see. I, I, I really like Avery Morris. He's one of those guys that I've kind of been rooting for for a while. Um, and now is his time to step up and, and really lay claim on a starting role. But he's versatile in what he brings as well. You know, I mean, he, he can get back there behind the behind the line of scrimmage and get you a tackle for loss. Uh, hurry up the quarterback, but he gets pass breakups. He can haul up an interception. I think he had a blocked kick last season. Oh, really? Wow. And so, yeah, he's he's one of those guys that's that's a bit all over the time, all over the place, a little bit universal in, in what he brings. And uh, and he's been getting some some press time. He's been getting some media time mm-hmm. uh, after mm-hmm. practice. And uh, he even said the biggest thing from going into this year is that the game is slowing down for him even yep. more. And so uh, you love to hear a player say that. And it's like something that, you know, talking heads like ourselves or, or coaches will always say, you know, the game's slowing down, the game's slowing down, but to actually hear it from the player, it actually means something. It means that their development's mm-hmm. really, really gotten somewhere to where they're able to process a hell of a lot more on the football field during a live ball. Right. hundred percent. Love it. So, Morris might not be the most athletic and the most like, <clears throat> you know, just like raw talent out of the other options that I think are going to be in the mix here. Um, one of the guys we already saw quite a bit of last year, that was Martavius French. So yes. he, I want to say that he was originally at Tennessee and then came to UTSA via Juco. That's a guy that you really start to see the light come on for him. Like I would say like the last four games of mm-hmm. last season. Mm-hmm. Had a beautiful pass breakup. Uh, I want to say it was like the North Texas Championship game. Could be wrong on that, but I think so. he's one of those guys that he's still getting the feel for the speed of things, right? Um, I think his eyes are slower than his feet and his hands are right now, mm-hmm. or at okay. least they were last season. They were last season, right? So <clears throat> waiting to see how that develops and how he gets coached up, but. You know, I think if he has that same like mental and discipline development that we've seen from Avery Morris so far, um, then this guy is like super, super high for Martavius French because he has like the raw dynamic ability uh, to do, I think, a lot of things like Trevor Harmonson did when he was at UTSA. So obviously, excited to see how Martavius develops. Good parallel. Absolutely. And he's got that size structure that that you were talking about with with Jamal, with Avery, right? 6'3, 225. And he's only a junior. So just getting into his upperclassman time. And yeah, I think we'll continue to see his development. But we saw him improve week by week throughout last season, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was very noticeable. Other guy that I think might get in the mix for a starting role here is Rodney Gross Jr. So he originally was at Mississippi State and then came to UTSA through East Mississippi Community College. Okay. So I haven't seen a whole lot of him. Um... He was highly recruited, obviously, when he went to Mississippi State, was an SEC-level recruit. We've heard a couple mentions of him in fall camp and interviews and stuff like that, but I don't have too much to share other than that because I have not really seen him play much yet. Okay. Pedigree, he's going to be in the mix. What about a a guy like Jalen Lott? Man, I don't know. Former running back. Moved over to inside linebacker, try to find some playing time. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's probably going to need some more some more development time before he's ready to go. But I guess anything can happen. Okay. Yeah. 
think there's another transfer that could be in the mix as well. That's Darren Allman, came to UT Darren State from Angelo State, mm-hmm. six foot one, two thirty. Uh, racked up a lot of awards when he was there at Angelo State at the Division two level. So, not uh, a move we've seen UTSA do a lot of until this recruiting class of like going down a level and pulling guys up. Uh, but North Texas has had a lot of success with that. You know, going and getting guys from the Lone Star Conference and stuff like that. So we'll see if UTSA is able to replicate that. Seems like inside linebackers, one of those position groups we're a little bit thinner at when it comes Probably. to the guys that can Probably. really out there and, and and make something happen. Probably so. I think it really just depends on how those transfers shake out. You know, if if, if one of those guys takes that next step, then I think that you've got a pretty solid three, four interior linebacker rotation. Okay. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a position that I think is, is unproven for sure. It's definitely nowhere near as deep as the defensive line. Yeah. Yeah. Or outside linebacker for that matter. Right. Yeah. Agreed. I, I really like the young guys here though. I mean, Caleb Brown, retro freshman, James Wally, true freshman. Yeah. Both. Yeah. yeah. I think both of those guys have really, really high ceilings. I'm stoked for both of them. It's just like with all these like kind of uh, upperclassmen transfers in front of them. I don't know if they're going to get that playing time, but come next season, I think those guys are going to be the names to watch. On the cornerbacks then. On the cornerbacks. I actually think the starters are pretty easy to pick out here. Yeah, I would agree Nick with Troy- that. Yeah, Nick Troy Fortune obviously has one spot locked down. He was a starter at West Virginia, came to UTSA last year, had a really, really great season. Yeah. Got beat a couple times, obviously, but still ended up getting automobile mission all conference selection. One of the really anchors, good. one that was really probably good. probably our main anchor at the cornerback position last year. Yeah, I mean, I, I, other than uh, Corey Mayfield, who's with the Baltimore Ravens now, I, you know, yes. was definitely the the number two guy there for sure. Mm-hmm. And then I'm expecting a really big step forward this season from Zay Frazier. So Zay was uh, at the time he committed, it was the top recruit in program history. <clears throat> ended up yep. signing with Kentucky, got cold feet at Kentucky, transferred over to UTSA. He played a bit last year. He had some really big plays on special teams. We didn't see a whole lot of him playing, you know, just like a, at the cornerback position, but he was on the field a lot for special teams. Just like super athletic, 6'3", 180. So he's got that kind of Tariq Woolen build to him. He has those same characteristics. His tape, I think, really matched his measurements as well. It was really, really exciting to watch his tape and, you know, kind of picture him playing like Tariq did when he was at UTSA. So I'm really high on Zay. I mean, it seems like the team is kind of coalescing around him as, you know, the guy up next with the cornerback position. Um, so I completely expect to see him as a former four-star starting against Houston, and I'm excited to see how he performs. Yeah, Nick Troy Fortune was uh, was complimenting Zay big time and uh, said his progress has been unbelievable. His, uh, his, his placement on the field, knowing where he's at, his, uh, his studying of the playbook. And he said, and then he said another thing, knowing his keys, mm-hmm. which is, uh, I would imagine players speak for, you know, cues of what's happening on the field. Your reads. Right. Yeah. Your reads. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Nick Troy Fortune also very, very high on Zay Frazier. So yeah, I'd love to see that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think this guys have, you know, one or two locked down pretty well. Dawan Griffin is a guy that I really thought would be in the mix here, but it seems like he's been injured for most of fall camp. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure what his status is, but I've noticed him, you know, you know, dressed in, you know, shorts and stuff like that. And a lot of the videos they've posted from practice, 
Um, so hopefully he's able to bounce back and make a return because he's one of the guys that it's, it's always felt like he's right on the precipice of a breakout, but hasn't quite hit that next level yet. Um, so hopefully yeah. the, with this being his retro senior season, he's either able to come back or, or get a, a you know medical waiver or something like that. Um, he's definitely a guy that I had some expectations for for the season. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He was he was able to contribute last season and, and had his moments. Like you said, it feels like he's on the precipice. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. I think a healthy Daiwan would be really, really important to the cornerback room. Yeah, it's one of the fastest guys on the team. So, and uh, he played wide receiver in high school, so he's got the ball skills for it. It's just you know putting all those pieces together. What about Sam two. Houston transfer? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I was going to say that there's two transfers that I think are going to get pretty good amount of playing time. I'm okay. Not sure how much they're planning to rotate the cornerbacks this year. That probably just depends on how ready these two guys are. But uh, Cam Alexander came from Sam Houston, and he's a guy that's been getting a lot of praise from folks around the program. Um, I, I believe he was an all-conference player in the Southland when he was at Sam Houston State. Um, had a pretty good number of interceptions over there. You know, a little bit smaller than a typical UTSA cornerback under Jeff Trailer. He's only 5'11", 175, but he's a big-time sure. player for sure. There's no doubt about it. The other transfer is from New Mexico State, and that's Cyrus Dumas. Um, so I don't know a whole lot about this guy. He was a late transfer, five foot ten, one seventy five. So he's also a little bit on the smaller side. Yeah, uh, yeah. but it sounds like he's been making an impression. Okay. Okay. You know, you know anything about Cyrus? I don't. I don't. Yeah, I heard a little I bit more. He about was a good player for the Aggies in New Mexico State, but I don't have a whole lot to tell you about him. Yeah, we we'll have to see. We we'll have to see how these guys shape out. You know, it's always it's always rough at the at the beginning of the term for a transfer, because you just got to learn so much mm-hmm. playbook wise, culture wise, locker room. But these guys can make progress through, you know, a real rough, a real deep first half of the schedule and kind of start to settle in, get involved. Yeah. That's what you want to see. What you want to see. Yeah, plenty behind that, plenty of like athleticism behind those guys that I expect to get playing time. And then you kind of have the development options. It, it feels weird to say that about Xavier Spencer because he's a senior, which like just does not sound right to me. Uh, but he's one of the most athletic guys in this roster. Six foot, yeah. 200 pounds, super athletic, super muscular. And then true freshman, Jacobian Rogers, uh, probably won't play this year. He needs to put weight on. He's only, only 150 pounds, but his speed is crazy. He's got really, really long arms and he's very twitchy. Um, so keep an eye on him. I think it's it's definitely a development season for him, but you know, maybe he might be out there on special teams, stuff like that. And then yeah. another true freshman, Davin Martin, six foot two, 160 pounds. Uh, that's a guy that's got a really high ceiling as well. A lot of the same attributes I said about Jacobian, I think apply for Davin. He's just uh maybe like a little bit stockier, a little bit longer, and not quite as like elite speed as Jacobian, who's like a track star. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Xavier Spencer, man, he's he's been a contributor. Hasn't really been a standout or stud by any means, but he's been a contributor mm-hmm. this time here. Um, he's one of those guys that like he makes some pretty big plays on special teams. Right. Right. He's got the athletic ability. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, just like no. is, the, is the light gonna come on? Is kind of the question you always have to ask. That's right. Yeah. Well, let's round it out with the safeties. All right. One down. Yeah. First and foremost, the king is back, Rashad Wisdom. <laughs> Coming off shoulder injury. Yep. And, you know, at the top of this podcast, we were saying the number one, one of the top things we need to see from this defense is more turnovers. Rashad's got to be the guy right. to lead the charge here. He had zero Ooh. interceptions last year. 
Uh, was it two years in a row that he's had no interceptions? He's been great. He's been great safety. But we really need that ball hawk and Rashad back. I got to pull these stats up. His mom's he had the, he had wrong. The, he, had the, <laughs> he had the memorable he had the the memorable pick six uh-huh. against Texas State uh-huh. in Jeff Trailer's very first game as head coach of UTSA. He was a sophomore. Yeah, so um, he, he had five interceptions his first two seasons: 2019, 2020, zero and 21, zero and 22. Which so, which he only played in six games in 2022, and then he right. got injured. But right, right, right. but but. You got to see him get more involved with those hands, man. You got to see him nab a few balls out the air and get those picks. It's crucial that Rashad leads that. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I've been one or two. It's like, did teams stop throwing at him because they know how good he is? Need, I need to Maybe. find the numbers on that. I don't know. Maybe. But if Rashad is able to get back to, you know, grabbing a pick once a month, that adds up and makes a big difference for the defense. So it's Absolutely. great to have him back. He's an amazing player. Uh, but that's one of the wild cards, I think, for this defense. Is if Rashad's able to get back to his intercepting ways, really helps out the defense a ton. So we need we need those turnovers back, man. We need those turnovers back. And then the other starter, <clears throat> at least my you know expectation, is going to be Kalechi and Wachuku. So oh, no. Kalechi did have to step into a starting role <clears throat> last season when Rashad went down. Um, so I think we'll see... You know, Kalechi handle that uh, free safety position. Rashad plays strong safety. We've seen Rashad bulk up a little bit, I believe. And I think Kalechi developed pretty well last year. He definitely, like his first couple of games starting, some really rough patches. You know, just being way out of position, um, being behind the offense, both mentally and speed-wise. But then as he got more reps with that first-team defense, you start to see him get better and better and better. Um, mm-hmm. And a real, I think a really, a really great closure to his season. I mentioned earlier, it's like I can't believe that he's still on the roster. It just feels like he's been a UTSA forever. <laughs> because he got recruited in 2017. So it's 2023 now. And you know, there's a chance he plays in 2024 if UTSA plays in January. So <laughs> it's just amazing. nuts, man. It's like this COVID era has been so weird for eligibility rules and stuff like that. But uh is an awesome dude. I'm just I'm really excited to see him take that momentum from his last couple of games last year. He had that interception against Troy. In the cure bowl, and then uh, you know, kind of apply that moving forward into the season. I think you can have a really nice year. One of those guys that you saw the clear development week over week for sure. He was one of the most players last year. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So rotational Uh, pieces. Yeah, rotational pieces. I think we got two transfers that might see playing time right away. Uh, The first one is Elliot Davison. So Elliot Ooh. has been an incarnate word for this whole crazy run that the Cardinals have been on these last few right. years or whatever it might be. Um, and then when they lost their head coach, he made the crosstown transfer to jump up to the FBS level. Uh, Amazing. He's got tie. He's from Tyler. So he's got ties with, you know, the trailer brothers on the coaching yep. staff. And you just got to assume a guy like that's going to fit right in culture wise with his team. So um, I think he's going to be heavily in rotation, and I think he's going to end up playing so much that uh, he kind of becomes like a third starter. Wow. Another transfer that might get out there early is Bryce Grace. So he's a retro freshman that uh, UTSA recruited a bit out of high school, but he ended up going to Washington State. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, didn't play too much there at Washington State, but his practice film was really impressive playing against Power 5 competition. Um, it seems like a great coverage safety. So I think, and you know, maybe five receiver sets, four receiver sets, you might see Bryce get out there and uh, go into coverage. Some guys that have been on the roster for a little bit that <clears throat> will probably see some playing time. I think Ken Robinson, obviously, is going to be out there a yeah. lot, just like he was last year. Just one of those like really underrated players who's great in coverage and can kind of do it all. Um, you know, he played a lot of cornerback in his time at UTSA and very easily made the move to safety, which was interesting. Uh, but then the other guy, again, one of those dudes that you see a little bit of promise on and you're waiting for that light to come on is Javon Debon. So he originally signed at Texas Tech, ended up mm. coming to UTSA. <clears throat> He's got really good size. He's six foot one, one ninety. He's one of those guys like. I just I want him to be in a spot where you notice him more when he's on the field. Sometimes as a defensive back, it's good that you know you're not getting noticed because that means you're not leaving guys wide open, most likely. But with his athleticism, I want to see more ball hawking. I want to see more turnovers. I want to see more impact plays, more havoc. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Yeah, I could see him taking that step. Yeah, for sure. That's about it, okay. man. I think those are the, the okay. names to know. I guess Marcellus Wilkerson yeah. could get in the mix. Marcellus Wilkerson, yeah, I was going to mention yeah. Marcellus. Yeah, yeah. We'll see how it plays out. But I, I think of all positions on the roster, the, it's probably the least amount of depth right here at safety. Ooh. No, like okay. Rashad Kalechi and Robinson are like the only three proven or semi-proven options. Ellie Davidson's proven, but at the FCS level. So he's going to make right. a transition to FBS and, you know, playing in you know, against power five level competition. How's he going to hold up? You know, I think he'll be fine, but we just haven't seen it yet. It can be hard to do right away. Safety depth has just so. kind of been a bit of a sore spot for UTSA through the whole trailer era. So looking to see that hopefully change this year. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, it's, and it's really going to come down to the secondary. It's going to come down to the, safeties in the cornerbacks to really get those interceptions, create that really, really difficult passing environment for offenses. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's not something we've seen quite yet. Jury remains out on a UTSA secondary, I'd say. Yep. And I think that's probably one of, if not the biggest questions heading into this season. So. Stay tuned. All right. Well, we'll um, kind of wrap things up. Is there anything else you want to hit on? Uh, it's all about the defense. It's all about the defense to get the UTSA to the top of AAC, right? We know the offense is there. Is the defense ready to be at that same level that the offense is at? Yep. So we got to well find said. out. We'll say. Yeah. All right. Well, before we get out of here, do you want to thank our big money donors on Patreon for their continued support? Thank you to Ben Tovar, Rick Cortez of Rowdy Road Grillers, the Bunch family. Zach Espeter Cueta on the San Antonio Podcast Network, The Fikes Family, Alejandro Benavides, Dan Nerdall, the host of Run the Birdbath, Jacob Vasos, mm. board president of the UTSA Alumni Association, and last but not least, Homefield Apparel, where you can use discount code UTSA once Homefield to get 15% off your first purchase or 10% off for any returning customers. You'll be supporting us and the Republican Football Podcast Network. So with that, we're out of here. See you guys back next week for another bonus episode. 
and for a full-on schedule season preview. So, Adrian, let's get ready to do our research and come prepared with all these new AAC teams we'll be facing for the first time. Yep, yep. The way too early wins and loss predictions. Let's go, man. Hold my feet to the fire. Let's go. (laughs) 